Hey, this is Phil from Teen Idols, and you're listening to The Dummy Room. What's up, guys? You're tuned into the Dummy Room Punk Rock Podcast, episode 146. I'm your host, Nate. This week, it uh, it seems I've managed to uh, dig someone out from under a rock a little bit. This dude has written uh, a zillion cool songs for his bands, Steinways, Houseboat, Barracuda McMurder, Top Bunk, Science Police. Uh, f- fuck, dude, who'd I miss? Uh, like seven more, but it's cool. <laughs> Grath Madden, what's up, dude? That's me, this dude. Hi. We've already been talking for so long. It feels like, you know, don't edit this out. Uh, we've already been talking for like f- what feels like days. So, but hi, Nate. How are you? It's nice to talk to you again. I'm doing wonderful. Um, I do this every week. It's like we talk for an hour before we even hit record. Uh, it's, sometimes it's it's the icebreaker and sometimes it's like all the good shit already gets out, you know, <laughs> and I didn't get it recorded. Uh, we, were ta- we were talking too much shit. None of that can be heard. Where are you at right now? Are you in New York? At this very moment, I am in... Sorry, I'm going to cough a lot in this fucking podcast, too. Is this like a curse-friendly podcast or a curse-unfriendly podcast? Uh, curse-friendly. Okay. Um, I'm in New Jersey, but I am looking across at the beautiful Manhattan skyline right now. I'm right on the river, but I'm frequently staying with a friend in New Jersey sometimes these days. Good old Chad Durkin. Shout out Chad Durkins. So what have you been doing with yourself lately? You're not working, right? I've been, uh, yeah, I'm not working. I've been doing a lot of staying inside, um, you know, trying to trying to slowly work on some musical projects in the past uh, in the past couple of months that will be coming to fruition in the coming couple of months. So that's kept me busy mostly these days. We talked on the phone a couple months ago, and uh, you were having McDonald's delivered. That is uh, a very regular occurrence over here. I'm not not even gonna front. I'm all about it. I've never had McDonald's delivered. It's I am all about it, dude. <laughs> it is the way to find the I, Uber Eats McDonald's is uh it's a staple. It's a staple of my early demise. I imagine they do that here. I've just never done it. It's a fucking insane thing to do, but uh, we live on top of a very steep hill. And you got to go all the way down and then what? Like, it wouldn't be feasible to go get McDonald's and bring it back. You'd be half dead and it would be freezing cold. There was a time, maybe like 15 years ago or so, uh, where there was a steady stream of releases by grath bands. 06 to maybe 09, you had like a dozen fucking releases between, you know, Steinways and Houseboat and Barracuda McMurder. Those were fun times, man. I kind of miss those days. We all miss it. My legions, <laughs> my legions and legions of fans miss it too. No, I did. I was pretty steady there for a while, but I just got you were disinterested for a little bit. I'm a little more reinterested now. You were part of a a really cool era of 
pop punk, and I want to get to that. But uh, but first, uh, Steinways, first band. Uh, I mean, technically, it was like my third band. I sort of had a pop punk band called the Kevins, right at the end of high school. We never recorded anything. We played a few shows. Um, and then in college, I was very briefly in a band called uh, Steve McQueen, where we just got really high and wanted to be like a grindcore band, but we ended up just being like a sort of sludgy riff band that played like minute and a half long songs that felt like 20 minutes because we were so stoned. <laughs> then the Steinways. Um How do you go from a grindcore band to Steinways? Well, I wasn't into grindcore. I was into uh, smoking weed and like wearing a cowboy hat in front of 20 other f- my friends and like banging a note on the guitar but uh i was i got into pop punk when i was probably like 15 or 16 and i'd been kind of writing songs and stuff since then but like as many people experience in their life like nobody likes pop punk so it's hard to meet people to do <laughs> stuff with and when i moved to new york right after college i knew from the internet that there were people that I could start a band with very easily. And I felt comfortable that like, they were not like way better than me. And were going to make me feel like I sucked at music. And, uh, we started a band in 2003. Let's say that. Let's say that 2003. Yeah. 2003. Huh? So when you were a kid, how'd you get into punk rock? I assume maybe like Screeching Weasel, or Green Day, or the Queers. Mostly, mostly Green Day. I was in, you know, I was always really into music. I, th- I got into like rap music first, like MC Hammer, and then like, uh, and then, <laughs> but then off to like Public Enemy and uh, Tribe Called Quest, all sorts of shit. But then I got really into Nirvana and Pearl Jam when that happened. And that sort of, then I would like brush up against a lot of punk rock. I would get like Bikini Kill records thank you lists like we're probably of the same age where thank you lists were oh yeah were big deals so like nirvana lists would always be good and yeah then green day and that led me pretty quickly to look out stuff right after that i think i got like anthem and the ne'er do wells judy and the lodies gift of knowledge cd around the same time and punk usa as well and then that was that was my shit pretty immediately. I was like this I like this shit and I realized I could like learn to play it. I was learning to play guitar so I was like, "Oh, I like this is what I can learn to play." It all just came together. The Lookout Bands or or Lookout Records in general actually was like a total gateway for us, you know? Like a lot of people got into Green Day which led to Lookout Records which led to all the great shit. Yeah, a thousand a thousand percent. So Steinways, uh, the the classic lineup of Ace, Michelle, Grivet, and yourself. Um, were you friends with any of them at all before the Steinways? Like, how how did you get together? Were you just like going to see other bands and and meeting them in the scene and all that? Well, the the when we started, I sort of knew I had met Dirtbike Annie a couple times, uh, and Mikey Erg was in the band, so I knew him a little bit like a teeny bit before I moved up here, but the uh, dreaded pop-punk message board existed back (laughs) then. And so I also, I I knew of Grivet and Johnny Wo'o was our original bass player who did Wo'o Records. Um, And Mm -hmm. I knew they had been in a band called the Shy Guys because I was 
supposed to put out a compilation in 2001 and they were going to be on it and they seemed into doing a band and then Michelle was also in that message board and she was like I want to be in a band and so they John and Chris both lived in the neighborhood that I moved to and Michelle drove in from outer Queens and we had a band practice we we met I met Michelle that day but I like before we had our first band practice like John and Chris were like we're going to the queer show come to the queer show so but I we just basically met on the internet I love Steinways, dude, and I don't want to make this all about them, but um, yeah. those early songs on, on the first records, um, were those songs that you had written prior to the band, or were you writing all those like as a band? Lots of the first Steinways album was probably written before the Steinways existed. Um, like, I Want to Kiss You on the Lips, which is like, uh, it's just horrible to even say out loud, but that song, I was... <laughs> That's a good like one, dude. 16, I think, when I wrote that, maybe 17. Um, and then, I don't know, when I write, when there's, like, a purpose, like you were saying, we always had albums and stuff coming out because, like, this person would want to do a record, and uh, mostly thanks to Chris, who was the, like, realist human being, like, realist adult human being at the time who could sort of, like, fund us wanting to go record something, uh... If we had purpose to record, that made me want to write songs. Like, I, I write songs pretty quickly if there is a reason to. And it was exciting. I'd never, like, done music meaningfully in any way with people. So I was excited to do it, which made me do it more. Uh, one of my favorite Steinway songs was Angela. Oh, Angela. love that song um mm -hmm. is she real 
Uh, Angela was a lady that worked at a temp office. Um, okay. So, I, I mean, I, th- I don't remember all the words to that song, but yeah, she's a real person. But it was that song's not really about her. All my songs are just about me being sad about myself and, like, throwing myself a pity party and, like, singing nursery rhymes <laughs> about yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Angela worked at my, I forget what, I probably shouldn't name the temp agency on a thing that people can hear. But, yeah, Angela worked at the temp <laughs> office and things weren't going well for me professionally. And uh, I was sad about it. Your songs, um, you know, I think, I think for the most part, they're just honest songs. You know, they're they're funny at times, and sometimes they're just like brutally honest. <laughs> it's like a little bit. It's like way too much. I don't want to say way too much, but uh, and, and, and don't take offense to this, but sometimes when I listen to Steinways, um, I'm so offended. I think this guy, this guy's fucked up. Like. He's yeah, really man, he's fucked saying, up. I, I like to <laughs> like what like the, I like to take the bad things that I think and you know sing commercials about them. It's fun. It makes me feel better. You sing your bad feelings and then you make a little garage band demo of it and it's like da ba da da ba da ba doo and then you feel better about it. <laughs> yeah, I listen to them and it's like yeah, they just they just feel very real and it's like yeah, I've I've, I've been there before. I've been in this guy's shoes and uh, yeah, he's he's going through some shit. I don't know. It's just, um, it, you know, this is gonna sound corny, but it's like it's like you're you're reading from like a like a diary or something. Yeah, I may I may I may like lay it out there a little too much sometimes, but you know, <laughs> I, I've tried to stop using uh, women's full names in songs. That's been a that's been a big step for me. Did you get yourself in trouble? No, everybody's been really gracious and wonderful about it, but like. What the fuck am I doing? That's a ridiculous thing to do. Like, come on. <laughs> so, a lot of your stuff, you're kind of like the this uh, this master of the spoof. The master. Sp- I'm the fucking spoof master, man. Spoof master, you are. Um, yeah, uh, it's sort of this expected thing, I think. Now, from from album covers to song titles, you've done it so much that I I think it's just sort of uh, it's just sort of become a thing that you do. Yeah, it's all pretty dumb, but like. I don't know. It's like the that's what like punk rock records do. <laughs> so I gotta know, um, what's the deal with all the the supermarket fantasy titles? And I, I don't know if I know them all, but uh, bark market, fuckacy, dumb market, travesty, fuck market, pharmacy, and fruit market fantasy. The fruit market fantasy was the first one. And yeah, I, you might as well be right about the other ones. Who can tell time? It's lost to time, but. Uh, <laughs> What's but the backstory on them? I, there isn't one. Like, I, like it's a, <laughs> just funny. Yeah, Fruit Market Fantasy has nothing to do with the song Supermarket Fantasy other no. than the fact that obviously the title has something to do with the song Supermarket Fantasy. But then, I don't know, then on the second song, I was like, oh, if we go ba ba la ba la ba la ba la at the beginning of the song, we can just call this song <laughs> this. And then we did it more times. People just expected it. I certainly expected it. No one expected it. I wanted to stop doing it, but uh, <laughs> Zach insisted in Houseboat, so we kept it up there. And then we also did it on the Robot Bachelor album that he played on. That might—that's probably the last in that series. I think we're. I think. I, I mean, never say never, but but never. So how did short attention happen then? That's a that's a cool and unique little project. That was. That was another, like, I, I think Christian Tattletale 
uh, I forgot, The Feels is his current thing. Um, I think he suggested it on the pop punk message board. And then somehow me and Chelsea and Dan and Chad and Mikey did it. I don't, <laughs> I don't that's, uh, that's my memory of it. But, uh, yeah, we were, I, Dan and Chelsea weren't in bands at the time, so they were like super into it and helped like make it happen a lot by doing a lot of the like actual work of it. Cause Chad and Mikey and I were doing other stuff, but, uh, that was a super fun band to be in. That's probably my favorite band that I've played in. Um, yeah. I like those. I, I listen to those records and it's my own music and that's, you're not supposed to do that, but I do that. I was always impressed that, um, that these short songs and, and I don't want to say they were wasted, but it's like, man, they're so good that like, I just wanted to, to continue on. Like, I wish this was like an actual again, song man. and <laughs> I do, I do. But, uh, but, but you know what I'm saying though. I do. I do a lot of, well, a lot of that. We did two records, and our second record was all like uh, songs that other people wrote for us. And I would say, like, more than half of those people ended up like taking those little fragments and like doing full songs with them, like the Dopamines and the Measure and the like. A million of them turned into like real songs elsewhere. You know, they're good songs, and I think a lot of bands would, would want to be able to write a song that good, but they they wouldn't end it at 16 seconds, you know? They would uh, they would take it all the way, you know? No, I, th- I think it's perfect. <laughs> you're, talk- you're talking to the wrong guy if you're trying to argue. More length is a difficult argument for me, ever. The, the shorter, the better, I say, for the most part. I get what you're saying. Like, most songs should be, like, longer than 15 seconds, but it's good to have some <laughs> records like that, too. I like the minute and a half to two minute range. Minute and a half is pretty perfect. You know, I have this uh, attention thing. So anything over like three minutes, you know, it gets really tough. And usually I'm out. No, we live in an era where like, like we fucking get it. Like if your chorus is that good, like I'll play the fucking song again. Stop, stop saying it at me for like the 17th time. Like you don't always need to do the first verse again four minutes later into the chorus 17 times into the end like people need to fucking chop it up a little bit get to the fucking point well you know how it is you you hear a new band and you you hear listening to one song and you're like okay i got i want to hear the next so you skip it so what i like is when they do that for you they write a short song and you're like, shit, I didn't even have to skip it. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, let me ask you this. Um, are you a fan of Superchunk? I'm really not that familiar. Really? Because you wrote a song, at least I think you wrote it, called uh, Real Life as a Metaphor for yeah. Real Life. And um, this is something I've always wondered, like, who is singing with you on that song? That's Mikey. It's me and Mikey. Is that Mike? Yeah. Because it, it makes it people sound like, like Superchunk. I mean, the people, the small segment of people that give a shit like that part but you know what i'm saying yeah it sounds so awesome man um every time i hear it i i just think of super chunk and you know i don't know if anyone else does or anything but i i just wondered if it was an intentional thing i don't know i'll ask mikey the next time i'm mikey knows everything so i know he loves super chunk but 
so we were talking about this era, this uh, this special pop punk era that you were a part of. It was the MySpace days, the the pop the punk era. message board, and Insubfest. Mm. It was a it was a really cool time, and and Insubfest was such a such a big part of that whole scene. You know, every year for how many years did they do that? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, according to Wikipedia. Dot org. They really had eight of those fuckers? Oh, oh, 06 to 13. Okay. They were all in Baltimore, right? Everyone was in Baltimore, Maryland. Did you go to every one of them? Yes. And there was a, there was a show the preceding year that, like, precious motherfuckers like me will be like, oh, but the first one was uh, the Gamma Rays final show <laughs> the year before the first in-sub had like the ergs and the steinways and the vents and like a bunch of rando pop punk bands and was sort of i think the impetus to be like oh if these weird bands get together like 75 people drive up like what if we get like actual good bands there were some good bands dude there were some good ones in there mixed mixed (laughs) amongst the eight years i'll have to be Um, honest as we get into discussing it like come like 2009 2010 like i'm too cool for music and i'm just like outside the whole time smoking cigarettes and talking to people and like going to somebody's house down the street so like i watched a select handful of bands every year but there's a lot that i did not fucking pay one iota of attention to were these all at the same place the the auto bar or was was there another venue it was the auto bar primarily it started out uh, the first year it was at a venue called the sidebar and right around the corner from the sidebar was a venue called the talking head. So they sort of like traded off between venues. So like one venue would be quiet for like 20 minutes and then a band would go up and vice versa. Uh, and then the next year, I think it was still at the sidebar. Let me see. I got my handy Wikipedia page right next to me. Okay. Then the next year it started at the sidebar and then the Friday, Saturday was at the auto bar the year after that, they tried this weird thing where they had one show at this place in the suburbs, and then sidebar <laughs> for a couple of years, and then it moved to this big, much bigger club, Sonar, for a couple of years, and then it moved back to the auto bar, and then it never happened again. It got pretty big, right? Like, 2009, there's a shit ton of great bands. Yeah, they really blew it up in 2009 and 2010, I think, are like the sonar years like sonar was like a thousands of people capacity sort of venue really um yeah i think i don't think the fest was ever big enough to that it should have been there but it was crazy to have it there it was fun it was fun to play on like a big like that would be the only time in my life that i would get on like a giant stage and like 400 people would be in an audience like that was uh (laughs) that was fun uh, 2009, was that the last Steinway's show? Uh, food. Uh, no. <laughs> At the time, yeah. But we, we, we did a couple reunion-y things after that, and I think in 2010, we played again. Like, I, oh. we, it said Barracuda McMurder was going to play, but it was just the Steinway's playing. <laughs> 
Okay, so so how is that then? Like Steinways are on the way out, and and houseboats on the way in, and you just houseboats the new thing, and, and Michelle and Grivet are out. Or it wasn't even quite like that. The end of the Steinways was. Me and Michelle were dating most of the time that we were in the Steinways, and when we like broke up, broke up, it was like okay, we were just like I was like, all right, we're not going to do this band anymore. So I get it. Yeah. For a minute, we talked about doing a record as the Steinways with Mikey playing drums and Chris and Azim doing the stringed instruments, but uh, we decided not to do that, and then. Houseboat was something I was like, sort of, as soon as the Steinways are over, it's like Zach always wanted to do something with me. Like, I always wanted to have Mikey play drums. And that sort of morphed into like Azim and I were also talking about, like, what do we want to do? And we just like smushed those things together. Originally, Houseboat, like, my intention was to have those guys write songs and have it be much more of, like, a split project, but that uh, clearly wasn't happening <laughs> from the get-go. Yeah. So, uh, it just became, like, the new Steinways. But no offense, Michelle is the best. She's one of my bestest friends in the universe. Like, we were just, uh, just two crazy kids. Couldn't work it out. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It wasn't anything against Grivet. Like, I mean, Chris Grivet is the inhuman monster that he is, but aside from that, he's, uh, Chris Grivet's the best. So it wasn't like, I don't know, the Steinways were just done, and I was already in a band where, like, Mike was going to play drums. So Ace and you are the mainstays of these bands, and honestly, they all kind of sound the same, uh, you know, especially Steinways and Houseboat. I think the, uh, I think the other ones sound maybe just a little bit different because of, because of the production and shit, but yeah, uh, it's all the you same. Know, houseboat with with the Those... different singers with Zach and Mike singing sometimes. Um, you know, when Mike sings, of course, it sounds like the fucking Ergs, which is awesome. And uh, but yeah, I think I think they all, you know, kind of sound like yeah. the Steinways, and that and that's just you. That's just your voice. That's how it is. Yeah, that's. There's never been like all right. I did like weirdly enough. I've done like four interviews in my life and I did one like a few days ago uh and I was uh uh now now I'm stoned and I've literally forgotten what I'm talking talking about <laughs> I was talking about that's fun you can totally leave that in too but what was the fucking question <laughs> I don't remember that doesn't matter um okay so back to uh in subfest cuz I never got to go I never got to go and you were at all of them Man, I'm fucking jealous, dude. There was some... I don't even know which one I'd want to go to because a bunch of my favorite bands played all of them, you know? Um, what was your favorite one to go to that... Not not for any reason, not for you guys playing a certain slot or anything, but, like, just any cool memories? What was the craziest thing that happened at Insubfest? Oh, my God, that's, like, a thousand questions, man. I don't even, <laughs> like... I mean, the craziest things that happened at InSubFest, like many of them shouldn't be repeated, would involve, I mean, like the craziest thing that happened at InSubFest is when I like passed out in the parking lot and had to be driven home and woke up and yelled <laughs> at my friends because I was like, I missed Chicks Diggit, you fucking assholes. Like, oh, I guess I didn't, I guess nobody wanted to see Chicks Diggit, but it turned out that like... I was the asshole and it like passed out and was throwing my own vomit at people. But, uh, 
Oh, that was definitely the craziest thing that happened <laughs> in Subfest. But other than that, uh, my favorite one. Let's let's start there. Um, Dude, I'm looking down the list, and a lot of them have, you know, like uh, Dan Vapid played a, f- a couple of them, a few of them, and Copyrights played them, and you played them, of course, and uh, Jetty Boys played all of them, it seems like. I think the it, Copyrights were there every year. I played in some fucking band every year, because so many bands, like, like, broke up. The Ergs are every year until they don't exist, and then, like, I'm sure Mikey played every year. I like uh, I like 2010 just by just on paper here Methadones, Smoking Popes, Tenement, Bottle Rocket. 2010 was fun. That was at the bigger venue for the most part, so that would get like it was a weird venue to watch bands. It would get a little like it would be a bummer if it was a band like Spody or I think Cletus and they'd be out on the main fucking stage of this gigantic venue that, like, the Wu-Tang Clan would play. And, like, <laughs> they have a crowd. Like, there are 35, 40 people there watching them, but they're all so spread out across this, like, front barricade that you're just, like, you, you know, you've gotten poor Dave Spody and the Spodies to get their act back together, and, like, they're just, like... <laughs> looking out at this gigantic empty room and it would be i would feel bad for some of the like smaller reunion bands sometimes and that was also at sonar where you would start to have like two bands playing at the same time so lots of bands would get like shit time slots because like the methadones would play and everybody would watch them and whoever's over on the second stage would get no no crowd so did you guys always get good spots uh for the most part, I can't remember ever playing and being like, ah, oh, motherfucker, you know what I mean? I, I don't think. <laughs> we definitely played once in a small room where it was going to be real tight if I could make it to Boris the Sprinkler on time, but I made it on time, so. Those bigger fests and shit, that's, that's what always, I, I don't like them, but I mean, that's what would always suck. It's like if you were playing and Dillinger 4 was playing at the same time, not because you wouldn't be able to see Dillinger 4, but everybody else would want to go see Dillinger 4 and you'd be left hanging, you know? Right. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was so many, I guess. I don't know how, but do you know why they ended? Did people just stop going or was it just a, too much of an ordeal for, for those guys I to put together? I think by the end, I, like... I have no knowledge of this, but, like, I'm sure this was, like, a fucking expenditure at the end of the day. Like, I can't imagine that whoever was ultimately, like, financially responsible for all of this was, like, making money or that it was really feasible. And you could feel that towards the end. So much of the crowd was like traveling from other places and yeah, yeah. people get older and they have husbands and wives and children and other shit to do and like jobs where they can't get up to somewhere for a Thursday night show and then an all day Friday show. So the crowds got smaller. <laughs> they stopped doing the fest, but like Chris who does, uh, God, what's their fucking label called now? Is it still, is, Oh, he does like sounds rad right now. Yeah. Sounds rad. Um, yeah. But he did insubordination records, and uh, yep. he's, he, him and Pat Kim and whoever else is involved in that conglomeration would still do some shows after, like, the, ins, you know, they do the insub spring fling and, like, 
copyrights and the we would play and the young Rochelle's and Kepi Ghoulie and you know what I mean there were a couple shows like yeah, that yeah, yeah. in the convening years but I mean I think it sort of fucking played its uh played its course I slightly regret that the last one wasn't treated more like the last one because it seemed like it was going to be the last one to me but again what the fuck do I know so I'm not being like critical of those guys but like <laughs> I wish the last one had been a little little more of a bang but it was never not fun you know i i play in such a weird type of band that like it literally was like the only time in a year like it was a surefire time in a year where we were gonna go and like most of the people in the country that liked us would be there to watch us so like it would be a fun show to play every year all your fans <laughs> it really i mean we were we're such a fucking like niche little band that like we like knew most of the people that liked us and so they would all they would That's all be cool, there man. it was it was fun did you guys ever tour like extensive touring off the east coast or anything no the steinways went on to like week week and a half long tours mostly the same little like midwesty like go to ohio maybe one in wisconsin type of route that bands would take we would just piggy like the unlovables went on a tour we tagged along with them and then dear landlord like before they'd like put anything out and like you know when still no one would be going to theirs or our shows we did a little tour together <laughs> you guys made it to wisconsin huh yeah we played like a basement in Wisconsin to like nobody. And then I think a show was canceled or we played a party. We played two, I think two shows in Wisconsin that like literally no one was at. I never heard of you guys coming out this far. That sucks. Yeah. Sorry. You missed two terrible shows as far as I can recall. <laughs> I've seen a lot of terrible shows, man. Basement shows, you know, uh, basement shows are fun, but you know, yeah. When, when people are there, <laughs> yeah, man, I've just always thought like, it was a cool era for 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 the genre, you know, just that time. And you were very much in that scene, you know. I don't want to say you're a leader or anything like that, but, you know, Steinways were, they were a staple, dude. We were a very fortunate product of our time and place. Like I said, InSub in particular was, like, kind to us. <laughs> um, yeah. And we definitely benefited from it. And they got, like, I mean, it got hard to top at a certain point. They really did a good job of bringing in, like, a good combination of, like, reunion-y acts that people really wanted to see. And then, like, just fucking rando uh, reunion acts that, like, some people were totally psyched to see. But some people were like, who the fuck is this? But, uh, you know, I'd never seen Boris the Sprinkler I never thought I would see Sweet Baby. Um, like, the fact that they could tack shit like that, like, those were my favorite bands to see. And we got to play, you know, we played with Ben Weasel. We played a couple yeah. songs with Dr. Frank. Like, getting to do shit like that was was weird and cool and fun. It's crazy you brought up Boris Sprinkler because I, <laughs> I used to go to Green Bay shows all the time and it was like i saw boris and sprinkler on a weekly basis it seemed right. like you know i saw them dozens and dozens of times and i i sometimes forget that everywhere else you know they didn't tour a lot 
you know? I, I was pretty lucky. Um, but uh, I remember when Chicks Dig It played in Subfest. There was a big deal because a lot of people out there, they hadn't played out there maybe. A lot of people hadn't seen them and they were like, I don't know if they were complaining or commenting on, you know, the, the amount of banter that KJ does. Oh, I was so sad. But I, I remember, th- I remember thinking, um, this is what he fucking does, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is normal. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't there of course. So unless it went way over the top, but I mean, I've seen chicks dig it a few times and it's always, uh, a ridiculous amount of let's hear it for, you know? I was told he was very verbose that evening, <laughs> but I'm sure it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're a fantastic band, but, um, you played with uh, Ben Weasel. How did that happen? I forgot about that. I believe he just contacted me directly, or maybe he contacted me through like, uh, Mark Enoch or, uh, Chris Thacker or something like that, but uh, yeah, he said he wanted to play four songs with us, and like I think to, he was like, "What songs would you want to do?" I think we pretty much picked our songs. Um, we might have had to change one or something, but uh, yeah, it was really just fucking out of the blue, and we <laughs> went. What year was that? That's, Which one was that's that? Oh seven. Yeah, oh seven. So that was the okay, that so- was the second one, and like we had just put out, I think we just had like our first album and maybe a couple seven inches out. I don't think the second Steinway's album was even a thing yet. I don't know. I was very confused, but it was it was, it was uh, the Ben Weasel of that time was also like a much less uh, controversial figure in the universe. So it was <laughs> yeah. sort of, he was. He was really playing really nice with everybody, so uh, it was. I it was remember cool that. At the time dude. was really fun. Yeah, he was sort of. He was on the pop punk message board, and he was super active. And it seemed like he would he would duck in and out of that a little bit, come and go, you know. Uh, when he first came back, he had that the that these ones are bitter record. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is one of the only like more recent records of his that I really like. Um, but yeah, he was very sort of open to shit when he first sort of appeared on the virtual scene, and that took a weird turn, like pretty shortly after that Insubfest. But uh, and even at that Insubfest, there was lots of controversy <laughs> about donuts being thrown at him or something. Um, as long as it's not ice, it was just there was I some good. some donut organization was looking to throw donuts at him, and they were they were shut down for the most part, from what I remember. Really? Shout out to uh, Joe Three and Bill Florio, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what all that shit was about. <laughs> it's, it's a bad story. It's it's cool that you got to that he reached out specifically for you guys. Yeah, he was really nice to us and uh, like wanted to engage with me about like songwriting and stuff i mean at first it was i forget what the project was but it was like maybe let's talk about doing some sort of record or project together or something but that kind of fizzled pretty quick and we had some pretty good exchanges but even like a little later into our exchanges it it was a little strange and i haven't talked to him in a in a long time yeah just a cool thing though you know i mean to be part of no the actual experience of it was super fun and we played all songs that like we all really liked um did you choose the songs or did he he chose them i want to say we chose them all i think that 
at, at we definitely like at least were like here's songs we'd want to play and maybe he picked four or maybe yeah. he said like these two and picked two others but yeah we did like I'm gonna strangle you and <laughs> fuck I don't fucking remember what the other songs are that we did 99 we did 99 um, yep. I don't know we did four songs and they're so meaningful to me that I remember two of them and it was it was fun how nervous were you that you were gonna fuck up <laughs> not really i was much more i did fuck up when we did two songs with dr frank there's a video of it on youtube and i definitely like we did more than toasts and when it gets to the like break part where the guitar comes back in like i totally like flunge the fuck out of the first note and uh yeah but it's great i like when things go wrong most of the time as long as they're my fault. If they're somebody else's fault, then, like, that person is an asshole. But as long as it's my mistake, <laughs> then it's fun. So how did the Dr. Frank thing happen, dude? That, I don't quite... That was, like... Maybe somebody had suggested us to him. Like, he was... Look, I, I think he played with a couple of bands that year. Um, like, it was... Like, his set was, like, Dr. Frank and Friends with, like, varying yeah, degrees of a backing yeah. band. And, uh... Yeah, we did cool, Gilman Street and More Than Toast. And, uh... Yeah, we just went and rehearsed, like, at the venue maybe the day before or something like that. And that was houseboats. So that was like me and Azim and Zach and Mikey. But that was he's such super a nice cool. Guy yeah, too. He's pretty nice. We didn't, I mean like, I don't really know him very well at all, but seems like a, seems like an okay guy. One, one, one of the, one of the okay ones. <laughs> he seems like if you fucked up, he wouldn't give you too much of a hard time. Whereas Ben might, you know, you know, I gave the crowd a good, uh, good gym from the office uh, look, and we were we were good to go. Everything was fine. <laughs> it was a hilarious, wonderful moment we all shared together. Yeah, just in Subfest, man. I mean, it's just a legendary fest for us. You know, I just it's so fucking cool. I'm glad. Uh, that's cool that you were there. You're are you, you're from Baltimore, right? I am. I grew up in Baltimore, so yeah, we would all a bunch of us would stay at my mom's house every year. That was fun. Um, were you? You got into punk rock when you lived in Baltimore? I mean, was there cool shit there before in Subfest? If if there ever was, I didn't know about it. And, like, for when I went to college from, like, 97 to 2001, I was not in Baltimore most of the time. Um, so I did not do a very... Like I, like I said, if there was a local punk scene, I didn't know about it. The band that I had, the Kevins... We tried to play shows, but lots of the guys that, like, were even in bands that later we... Like, the Dead Mechanical guys or the guys in the Gamma Rays that, you know, broke up right before Insubfest, but, like, guys that we knew that were suddenly in Baltimore, like, they all lived in the fucking sticks when I lived there, and, like, pop punk bands never stopped there. Like, you know, I, I think I saw Dirt Bike Annie played there, like, 
six months before I got into them and shit like that. And then they would never come back. Like, I know they came back. I toured with them really briefly, not playing, but just like hanging out in 2003. And they went there, but I think that was the first time since like 98 or whatever show that I missed. Um, so yeah, there was not much and my friends were not into it. Sometimes I could convince friends to like drive to DC cause I didn't drive until I was like 23. So I could not transport myself, but if something cool came through too, like the, I saw the muffs, I want to say I saw the muffs, the groovy ghoulies and chicks dig it. I may be conflating two shows, but, uh, that's no, that, that was a tour. But if that yeah. was a tour and also in the audience was one of the members of the presidents of the United States of America who like got up and played drums with <laughs> okay. them. But there were like 10 people at the club, like nobody in Baltimore. It was never a thing. Like, nobody liked hmm. pop punk. I never experienced it being, like, viable and popular hmm. in Baltimore. That's a that's a good show. I mean, that's a big show anywhere else, I would think. It was the best. My friends you made know. me leave early because they're fucking monsters. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, I'm really sad about it. I remember the first time I saw Chicks Dig It, I hadn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan yet, you know. I'd I'd heard of them, um, but I was in Green Bay, and they were playing with uh, I think they were with the Ghoulies, and I was a Ghoulies fan, of course. And uh, my buddies were like, "Oh, you got it, Chicks Dig It are great," and I was like, "Okay, you know." And they they were playing, and I was completely blown away. Like I can't believe that this is this is the best band I've ever seen live, you know. They're, and they still amazing. were. They're one of my favorites live. Um, another favorite of mine live was, I only saw them one time because I live way out here, but was Dirt Bike Annie. Amazing live. I bet you played a Chicks Dig It song like after you were like, one of my bands that I like is Chicks Dig It. Like that's how you roll on this podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> probably. Right, well, maybe. Right, or maybe Dirt Bike Annie. More maybe I fucking play, cut you off right probably more like, we're about to drop a Dirt Bike Annie track in our laps probably more likely to play dirt bike annie all right well i'm glad i could ruin the entire moment for you what's your favorite dirt bike annie song oh shit um two on the spot no that's that's hard though i have a fondness for a great number of them um i know dude one of my favorites is next time
You like that one? Next Time is great. I think all Genie's songs are amazing. I wish that there were, like, yeah. more of them in existence. I feel like there's maybe, like, maybe ten if you go through and smash them all together. But, uh, yeah, her shit was always amazing. Like, that song, that song Smoke and Then Some, that nobody likes but me on the first album, it's a great <laughs> song. Nobody likes it but me. But, yeah. like, it's fucking good. Um, yeah, I'm all, like... I like everything that band ever did. I even like their, like, uh, you know, later, like, let's try to make it more phase. Um, like I, but I, like, again, that I have a lot of personal attachment at that point. Like, I went on tour with them for a couple weeks and, like, know those people. Knew those, I got to know those people in real life while all that shit was going on. So, like, I'm, they're definitely one of my, one of my favorite bands of all time great band i only saw him the one time mikey was playing with them and completely blew me away yeah really very good live band my favorite full length on mutant pop was hit the rock that album is pretty perfect and yeah i would that would that's i don't know easily that yeah that's pretty easily my favorite full length on mutant pop i do this all the time because i speak before i think i'm trying to remember because I'm trying to think of all the full lengths, and I'm pretty sure that's my favorite. Um, but yeah, what a, what a fucking what a fucking album that was, um, dude! I just got that on vinyl not that long ago. Yeah, that's out. It's on Whoa Records. I'm pretty sure John yes. still has a bajillion copies. So if anybody wants a copy of Hit the Rock, one of the finest records of its day and beyond, uh, fucking get in touch with <laughs> it's Johnny Whoa. I think that's who I ordered it from because I had never uh, somebody in the past told me they were going to send me a copy and I was like where did this come from I didn't even know it was on vinyl you know and they were going to send it to me and they didn't <laughs> and now I own it one it all works out so it's one of my favorites dude so what about you what's your favorite thing on Mutant Pop dude I mean that's definitely up there uh I've been revisiting it a lot, a lot of that shit lately. Um, and you're doing a, you're doing something mutant poppy. Yeah. So me and my good friend Chad Durkins are, I guess, starting a record label, if you want to call it that. And we are putting together a mutant pop records tribute compilation that will be available digitally. And we're also going to do a very short run CD of it that should come in some ridiculous and unnecessary packaging because we support <laughs> polluting and destroying the world. Um, but yeah, we've been putting that together over the past month or so. And it started out as just, we were going to record some songs ourselves. And I started asking other people and very quickly it grew into what will likely be a 40 ish song monstrosity. And we just got <laughs> positive like yes we'll do that right now responses from pretty much just everybody that we asked and i think we asked some good people and we have some like reunion-y type of bands that will be appearing we have a lot of people that were on mutant pop records that are doing covers of shit uh it's a nice it's a fun nice lineup of uh human beings can you reveal anybody that's on it? Um, Are you on it? Are you playing uh, oh, on yeah. it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm on it. 
I was just having a conversation with uh, my partner, Chad Durkins, about how I feel like I'm on it too much. And, oh, should I do this? And when, when, when? He was like, shut up. Um, so, yeah, I'm on it. Chad is on it. Uh, my friend Mikey Erg is involved in some and other ways on it. Uh, some members of Dirt Bike Annie, maybe even all the members of Dirt Bike Annie are involved or on or with or about or other words it um but not but not as dirt bike annie i will say there is not a dirt bike annie <laughs> there is not a song performed by the band dirt bike annie on the compilation is there a song by dirt bike annie performed by somebody else there are Has i would be. say that there are likely multiple <laughs> songs played by dirt bike nice. annie the rule was you just can't do the same song twice so some bands got uh more attention than others but it's a fun wide uh and we i i think we did a good job of reaching out to like it's lots of people that i know and that i'm friends with so i know the people in dirt bike annie i know the guys from the ergs i know the guys from the copyrights so like i can ask them but i tried to reach out to some non-US bands. Um, I tried to reach out to at least a few people sort of outside my own personal bubble, um, which floats somewhere in an oblong shape betwixt and around <laughs> your own. Um, and, you know, as long as everybody delivers, which we've been having a surprisingly easy time of getting a good mix of i started as just telling everybody yeah just home record something like no big whoop but like some people have gone into the studio and made really ridiculously good sounding recordings and a lot of people have done really ridiculously good sounding home recordings so i'm excited for us to unleash it upon the world um soft delivery date of the first week of april is where we're looking right now cool on worst was idea records worst idea worst records. idea records so when you when you started this project was there certain um certain things you wanted on it like certain your favorite records maybe sicko or of course dirt bike annie the proms were you were you asking people to do some of that we stuff? got really it very organically sort of the first like 10 people we asked once everybody sort of picked different shit you know as we would get down the line chad was like ah nobody's doing the ruth sat and then we asked uh rocky rochelle from the whichever rochelles that he's in the young rochelles are the newer rochelles right yes that's, see so that's, the, where, the new that's where the new rochelles are the old rochelles i know i know he's got a he's got something else going on yeah, you shouldn't mention it, but it's it's really good. I haven't. Oh, if you, you've heard some of that stuff, I'm not not familiar. But uh, I've heard. I think it. I know what you're talking about. It's I'm wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, that you know, I, my my good man Rocky Rochelle or Steve Stamos, as some may remember him by. Uh, he did a Ruth Sat song, so suddenly Ruth Sat was covered. Uh, I think we have. Cool. We've we've got our bases pretty covered. We might be a little heavier in other departments than others, but uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what my favorite seven inch on Mutant Pop was? I don't. Cletus. That's a good one. Maybe the Proms. That's and, a really uh, good one. Oh. That's the that Proms one is up there. 
I mean, that's just such a fucking... That proms one is like... That's that's the Mutant Pop 7-inch. was such a great fucking label but like there's certain bands that you just immediately think of you know when you think of mutant pop the proms and boris and kung fu monkeys they, they're just like that mutant pop sound after school special that's fucking great too i would um, say i still like dirt bike any more than that one just because i'm not as in touch with the like uh bad religiony side of after school special yeah i i, I get that i just I like that record a lot, but I, something about the Dirt Bike Annie record, I've just yeah no as a, as an entire record, I I prefer it. But that I like the pop songs that guy wrote. I saw someone is 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 like yeah. do, is putting out some after school special stuff. I don't know if that involves any of their unreleased material, but I really hope it does because there is like an enormous batch of stuff that never got released that's like super fucking good and. Uh, is there really? I'm sure it's flowing around in many places, but like it should just be fucking available. That guy was a great songwriter. He really was. It, it's it's a shame, but um, no, that I I do know that that album is is being re released. That's great. So it's a great one, dude. It's classic yeah. for sure. Um, I'm just going down the the Mutant Pop catalog. What do you think about the CDRs they did? Were you a big fan of those? <laughs> I would not describe <laughs> myself as a big fan of them. No. I tr- I've I bought like I went in on we were uh, wave one and two came out at the same time and I bought yeah. those and let's see if I can do it we got Daryl's Clopex Peabody's <laughs> Tick the Dropouts and motherfuck somebody's somebody's shouting it at home right now but it'll and maybe it'll come to me maybe the proteins uh and like. 
I tried. I wanted to like them. Like, I will know a Tick song for the rest of my life because of how much I wanted to like a Tick song. But, like, was it good? Like, I, I don't know. It got a little... The quality control got a little too out of hand. And it was a weird idea. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was, like, whatever. It was a stab at something, but it clearly wasn't... Uh, it clearly wasn't great, and the quality wasn't as good as the 7 Inches or the albums, so... You know, it just dissipated, but that was also such, that was a bad time in the universe for that sort of music. That's sort of like that's like the dead era where then the weirdos that were on the pop punk message board start to shuffle off into that corner of the universe, and then all the in sub stuff follows. Yeah, I like to separate mutant pop from the CDRs. Like, there's a there's a divide point where I I try to stay on his. His actual releases a little more. There's some you know. good stuff in there. Like, there's definitely some good CDRs, and a lot of them do have like great songs on them. Like, there are, there are a lot that are maybe not amazing total releases, but like a song or two are good. Like, we have plenty of uh, tracks from short run CDs on our tribute compilation. That's cool. Yeah, we're not fucking around. Can uh, you got anything we can play? early yeah um let's uh i'll send you uh the raging nathans uh were kind enough to pop into the studio and do a cover of uh brenda's got a devil lock by spody um yeah they were one of the one of the fucking weirdos that were like yeah we'll go into a fucking studio and record a song and just send it to you and then you can have it so cheers to them because i don't really know those guys and i just recently you know internet met my new buddy josh and uh thanks josh Yeah.
I want to ask you about one more thing, man. Ask away. Teenage Woman. Teenage Woman is I've I've wanted to do songs with Miranda Taylor, who has been in a million bands. She was in Hunchback and <laughs> Black Wine and Full of Fancy and her current band is X Made. And I just think she has like the craziest best voice. Like I love her voice and uh we're friendly. We're not like the best of friends, but I was like, hey, if I write some stupid fucking songs, will you sing them? And we managed to go to Chris Pierce's a couple months ago, late last year. Uh, and he plays the drums really well. And he played the drums and Miranda sang some songs. I wish we had done more. We only did three songs. Um, but hopefully we'll do more in the future. Um, <clears throat> yeah, she's awesome. And I think... I. I would like to do more shit where I don't sing. Um, Cause then I'll listen to it <laughs> <laughs> and like enough. You know what I mean? I've been like meh, 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 for such a long time. Like everybody gets it. Like everybody fucking gets it. But like if Miranda Taylor tells it to them now, they'll be like, Oh, those are really good. So we're going to try to do more stuff like that now. I think that's really the approach for the future. With all these different bands that you've done, is there ever an approach, uh, not just the writing, but the delivery, to make them sound different? Because, you know, so, uh, uh, like Robot Bachelor, that it sounds different, you know, of course. There almost um, never is. Top Bunk. I would say Top Bunk was like... That sounds different to was me. Was like the idea was just like, don't sweat it like just write like dumber songs basically um <laughs> and that's the only one really and barracuda mcmurder sometimes was more like i have leftover songs that like maybe i'm not gonna do so like that's what those are sometimes but sometimes that's also just like i'm bored like the first time i did it the steinways were still a band and i was like i want to have somebody else play the instruments like no disrespect to you know keith moon level drummer chris grivet or uh legendary bassist michelle Sherelle, or either like me or azim <laughs> who are also not very good none of us are good at music um i just wanted to make music with somebody else playing so like sometimes it's been that but most of them have just been like these are the songs that i have and the main difference is like production and like that's why houseboat sounds better i mean it doesn't even sound better i love chris pierce's recordings but luke you know we did those at sonic iguana on like the pop punk equipment and like so it sounds like yeah. that <laughs> and luke also just makes like huge sounding things so that's the robot bachelor ones are recording in his basement and uh i don't know the only difference there like there's just the songs are different i guess but there's it's never i'm never really like all right this has got to be more like this or more like that i wanted teenage woman to be like just like a fucking garage rock band but it just we, we just made a pop punk record instead <laughs> yeah so when you like um from the steinways you know when you when you moved on to houseboat was it like your songwriting is pretty much the same but um was it was it weirder because you had you had like uh mikey in the band who can obviously write a song were you ever like 
to incorporate him into those songs was the dynamic different? No, I just wanted them to do stuff. I, I think I just didn't want to push it too much on the first. Like, we definitely did it more and more, like, the later we got. Um, I just realized, like, it became very clear that, like, I was going to be writing the songs. Those guys weren't going to. Zach would help with a part here and there, but, like, they neither of those guys were going to write songs for the band. So, like, but I tried to I tried to write a little more as time went on for, like, oh, this is a part where Mike's going to sing or this is a part where Zach's going to sing. Um but no, it was great. Those guys are fucking amazing. So like to be able to just like, oh yeah, like Mike can sing there. You know what I mean? And like he's such a good yeah. drummer. He's like he's just an insanely like adaptable and like instinctive and ridiculously good drummer. And uh it's a fucking pleasure to play with him. And I ha- I haven't done a record with him in a long time. I would really like to rectify that soon. You know, like you get you get in that comfort zone with the Steinways, and you play with those three people, and you just get used to that. And then you you get in a band with Zach and and Mike, and it's like, I, I was just wondering if like you were more hesitant or kind of bashful to present songs. You know, not because, really. Like, Mike Mike had played. Mike was like the number one fill in in the Steinways. I think he played guitar, bass, and drums at certain points live really? for us. I didn't so know we that. played we'd played with him before, <laughs> and I'd gotten to know him really well. And Zach was a, we were really good friends. And, uh, I, you know, he, I knew he was a fan of my stuff. Like that's, you know, we met at like the first yeah. in sub and he was like, I really like your stuff. And, uh, so he, he was like, you know, no, he was great. Like he was somebody that I was like, oh, I can do demos and I'll send them to him. And he'll be like, this one is good and you should do this on this one. So no, it was fun. It was never, those guys were my friends. I wasn't like, that's cool. I, they're better than me, but like, I wasn't I, like, that's <laughs> awesome. I want to be at that point. I was like, okay, now I want to be in a band with people that are just better than me so that the records will be good. <laughs> it's kind of funny because they were in bands that were bigger <laughs> at the time, you know? Well, Dear Landlord didn't really, when we, I suppose at the time they hadn't taken off. When we anything, recorded but. the first houseboat album, Zach had just finished recording Dream Homes. So their, like, demo stuff was out there, but they weren't really, like, you know, the world wasn't, like, clam... Like, th- their record wasn't out. It didn't exist. I remember, like, listening to mixes of it out there while we were recording, but, uh... Yeah, and Mike is in a million bands. You know, like, I never... Oh, yeah. I, li- I like to be very, like, low pressure with him, like... I know he's got a million fucking things going on. So like if houseboat does stuff, like we just would schedule it around his shit, you know, or if like when we, we did a little Europe tour once and like he played on the shows too, you know, like he would do a set. Like I want to, I'm trying to like not be a person that has Mikey in their band and is like demanding because he's in too many fucking bands. (laughs) So I'm trying to be one of the good guys to my buddy, Mikey Erg. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, just uh, that's obviously what he loves doing, and and people love seeing him. And he's he's great. He's a great drummer, great singer, and his greatest cool. new record is super good, selling like hotcakes over there on the Rad Girlfriend Dude, I know. records. What is that guy pressing like thirty at a time? Come on. <laughs> I know. I got burned twice by that, and it's just like that. The the, the Mikey Erg record sold out in like. Have you also an hour. not procured a copy? 
I actually did yeah. the second pressing. I mean, I know I, I can. Like, I haven't listened to it I yet. I can almost see like where he lives from here, so I could probably swindle one from him somehow. But I've missed. I've meant to order one, and I missed it both times. I heard it says return to to punk rock. Yeah, man. I so. guess it's just Mikey Erg singing some good <laughs> Mikey Erg songs. Yeah, I'm sure I'm gonna like it. I mean, he writes great songs. He's got a cool voice. What's what's not to like? So he's a very talented yeah. guy. All right, man. Hey, um, I got to bug you about one of your songs. I got to geek out and make you feel uncomfortable Do it. because of one song. My favorite grass song of all. Grass song. My life hurts, dude. They turned off my life. They turned off the phone. The shit in the hallway, but this is my home. song this is it's the, it's the hit apparently people like it is it the hit I think I, it's like one that's one of many i mean you're talking to a fucking hit maker <laughs> over here but uh yeah yeah people yeah. seem to like that one it is it is it is the kind of song that anybody could play and it would just be good you know whereas there's certain steinway songs where certain bands couldn't pull them off you know but this is like a universally fucking great banger i love the song dude thanks man that song really yep. like having mike i feel like mike made that song 
Like that's that's what I'm talking about with how instinctive he is. Like we didn't like work that arrangement out. That's just what Mike played when I was like, here's how the fucking you know. I didn't like when I had the demo of that, I was not like out of that album, that was not the one that I was crazy about, but it came out good. Dude, it's it's great. That whole album is good actually. Um, I remember. I just remember when I first heard it. It sounds so much like Steinways that you just. I'm already a fan, so immediately I love this record. But when that song comes on, it's like, holy shit! This is just a brilliant song. Thanks, man. That's very kind of you. I think the songs got got better as like you know through time. I think I was a little bit writing a little bit better songs at that point than I had been in the Steinways. I don't hate any of my stuff, but I really I don't hate those houseboat records. They're they're good. I'm happy we made them. All right, dude. So um, we got to be checking out this mutant pop thing soon. Like I said, let's uh, let's just pretend. Let's say April seventh. April seventh. Okay. Street date. It's gonna be digital first. Uh, the physical product will follow shortly thereafter. All money will be going towards charity, uh, which I'm sort of finalizing the details of. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry to be fucking vague and secretive about this thing that like no one is gonna give a shit about. But like, <laughs> I don't know, it's fun. Like, let's let's build the the tension is the word I was looking for. Let's build it. Let's build that tension. We will all, all details will be posted in like the three relevant Facebook groups where people who care about this sort of thing will observe <laughs> this information. Tens of people care. Fuck man. yeah, we'll count so, on it. All right, dude, you want to come back sometime and we can talk more bullshit about a certain band, yeah. any band you want to talk about? Anytime, man. I love to talk bullshit about pop punk. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast program, dude. Sorry it took so long, man. Yeah, fuck you, man. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm terrible sometimes. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, so glad it finally happened, dude. Interviewing motherfucking 3D cracks separately. Jesus Christ. <laughs> D cracks, nice guys. They stayed at my house once. They were nice. That's cool. They got some fun stories, huh? Yeah, they say like I, I, I didn't party then, but they seem like fun guys. Like if I wanted to party, I think I'd want to go like have fun with those guys. I'd like to have fun with them too. No, I'm, I just, <laughs> I don't know. Like I knew that week, I knew there was going to be some heavy uh, D cracks on the podcast, you know? New album, be that's everywhere. the story. They got a, a hot new slab of wax out. And I, I knew that the, the promo wheels were spinning. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something special to be noticed, nice. you know? No, I like and, it. And I, I admire the amount of nonsense work that you do that goes into <laughs> producing this program. I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, doing one is bad, but I mean, I kept them shorter at least, but yeah, a lot of fun though, man. Those guys are great. So, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on um, next week on the show. Um, there's a lady. I'll tell you that. A lady. Yeah. So hopefully you you know didn't get too pissed this week. You'll you'll tune back in next week. Uh, I was supposed to say something else too. Oh, the suck album the new album boris sprinkler did you see that i did see what that what do you think of that i see that i get it i get it i saw that and i was like i get that it took me like three days to get <laughs> like i don't get it i don't get it i don't get it so yeah but that that pre-order is up now uh mom's basement records check it out it's actually it's pretty good i've heard it i don't know if i'm supposed to say that but where were we talking these guys pretty ramones good. core 
Street Rock. Street Rock. All right. All right. But yeah, it'll be a big deal. It'll sell out right away, and and uh, John will make a bunch of money, like usual. Thanks for listening, of course. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for the likes. And uh, thank you, Grath, for hanging a little bit tonight. I'm going to be in touch, and I'm going to bug you, and I'm going to support your Mutant Pop tribute. Thanks, man. And uh, it's for a good cause. So it's the best cause. You take care. You take Stay care. Stay safe. Cool. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.